Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Uh, yes, it is presented by Progressive Insurance. Moose Johnson coming up at about a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. A lot of stuff going on here. We just got this story. Uh, so let me give you this quickly, and then we'll get back to all the football here. But this is from Woj on Twitter 10 minutes ago. Sixers officials and Rich Paul, who was the CEO of Clutch, the agency, have had conversations that have progressed over recent days on a resolution that will bring Ben Simmons back to Philadelphia. The plan remains for the Sixers to continue canvassing the league for trades, but the possibility of him reporting has increased in recent days. With the preseason game tonight against Brooklyn, he will top the $1 million mark in loss of pay. Like He'll already have cost himself a $1 million by having sat out as long as he has sat out. Again, according to Woj, the two sides are working together and are getting closer to an agreement that will bring him in. We'll see how it winds up going from there. Quickly, Hembo, my resident vice president of all things Philadelphia sports, how will he be greeted at his first home game if he comes back? Loudly. Uh, it's, it's not at all a coincidence that now all of a sudden he's starting to feel it in his wallet that Ben Simmons is going to come crawling back to us. I would not be surprised if this sort of opened up the doors for a trade to happen a little bit more quickly, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we wound up having to see him play. Like it's, uh, he might not, and he might, it might just be a practice thing, sort of like a, the Sean Watson thing from a couple months ago, but it's going to take Philadelphia fans a long time for, you know, to where they're, they're going to start clapping after his name is announced, that's oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, literally it'll have to be in the trophy presentation for the NBA championship, <laughs> right? Like if they hand him the Bill Russell trophy as the MVP of the finals, then maybe he gets some cheers. You know, someone asked me the other day if I hate Ben Simmons more or less than I hated Terrell Owens in 2005. You know, the push-ups in the driveway. Uh-huh. Sure. They're very similar things. Like, I feel the same kind of anger every time I see a story as I did back then when I was you know, 15 years old at the time. But it feels very similar to me. It's nice to me to know that you have human emotions. Like, <laughs> anyone who knows Hembo knows that, as the, for the most part, you don't. But it is your, in your love for Philadelphia sports that those come out, and I like it. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier. With more than 30 coverage options available, Progressive has you covered more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right, I I will get back to the croissant thing a little later. I I shouldn't waste so much time with things that are only interesting to me. We should get to Nuno's Notes. The Scoop. Which, by the way, need an open. Bubba, we need an open for Nuno's Notes. Well, we're getting on it. Yeah, I mean, what does getting on it mean? I mean, (laughs) what exactly, how long does it take to make an open that says Nuno's Notes? Oh, I would like to have a little more than just Nuno's Notes. You're on the mark, does your flair to it? Like what? Like, what do we need besides Nuno's Notes? You know, maybe some uh, Nuno, uh, some of Nuno's actual notes, some oh. him talking, some back and forth. I got gotcha. you. So you, you want it, you're, you're, you're putting the time and energy into creating a creative open for it, which That's I like. That's the goal. One way or another, again, Nuno, who's the producer of this show, has decided that one of his responsibilities, for reasons known only to him, is in the show Google Doc, he is going to write his opinion on every NFL game. <laughs> and, and, you know, I like it. I, I am amused reading it, uh, Nuno. So if that's your intention, I like it. I, I don't know that in a vacuum it informs the program, <laughs> but I like it so much I read some of them on the air. So I guess it's working. Is it really? It's more like a satirical headline to me. Like, is it really opinion? It's, sometimes it's opinion, I guess. Well, but it let feels me more read like you. an onion headline. Let's me. start with this Falcons Jets, he writes. 
The Falcons aren't very good, but they are better than the Giants and Jets, apparently. (laughs) Jets need to be concerned with Zach Wilson's decision-making and inability to make the simple play. Those are his notes. They're pretty good notes. Let me ask you a question, Nuno. You have the extraordinary good fortune. We were both raised in the same geographic area. You have the extraordinary good fortune of being a Giant fan rather than a Jet fan. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I, I understand that it is not all moonlight and roses right now. But in your conscious lifetime, the Giants have won four Super Bowls. So I'm not interested in hearing how difficult it's been for you. But let me, let me very quickly get, if you were a Jet fan right now, how would you feel about Zach Wilson? How should I feel? I would be a little concerned because he isn't doing the simple things, right? There was three plays yesterday, one on a screen pass where he hits the offensive lineman in the back. So like those would be the things that would scare me a little. There are things that scare me. All right, going through more of Nuno's notes. Packers-Bengals. He writes, Joe Burrow feels like he's the new Phillip Rivers, will make great plays, throw horrible picks, and his team will find creative ways to lose games. (laughs) This is Nuno's insight that he's sharing with me because he thinks it's imperative that I share it with America. I got to tell you something. I love Joe Burrow. I I watched that kid play, and look, if you redid that draft, would I take Justin Herbert ahead of him? Yeah, I would. But based upon where his team plays and where he's from and the hometown and everything else, you will not be sorry you took Burrow. I love Burrow. And I think that team is not – look, the Bengals have been awful for a while. Like, they, they're kind of coming together yesterday. Their kicker makes one of the two kicks, and they're 4-1, and one, Nuno. No, I mean, I I agree. And I know that guys have – and I heard uh, the, a bunch of the analysts talk about Zach Taylor, right? Like, everyone thought he would be fired last year. And now you wonder – you know, coming into this year, how long will he last? It seems like he's gotten that team on the right track, right? So why are you talking about them finding creative because, ways to lose games? They missed two st- kicks. I mean, there are still like franchises that find creative ways to lose ga- uh, lose games, right? I think the Chargers are breaking out of that, right, with Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Where so I think the Bengals are the new Philip Rivers and the Chargers. They have a great quarterback, have a great uh, wide receiver, you know, serviceable running backs, but they'll still find they'll he will do something to you, that you'll like, you'll think, what are you doing? That that interception in the in overtime, it was one of those, what the heck are you doing? Play? Yeah, that should have cost them the game. But they, one of Mason Crosby's uh, misses <laughs> yesterday. Let me read you a few more quickly from uh, Nuno here. Nuno, Eagles, Panthers, he writes, the Eagles might be a quarterback away from competing in the NFC East. About the Broncos and Steelers, he writes, not having a quarterback will get Vic Fangio fired. Maybe Elway will get the next guy a quarterback. <laughs> and of the Cowboys, oh, the Titans and Jaguars, he writes, any win against Jacksonville should only count as half a win. And what does Urban do this week to try and get fired? And then finally, he writes about the Cowboys and the Giants. The Cowboys continue to beat bad teams. Injuries will be an excuse for them to keep Dave Gettleman and Jason Garrett around. Here's what I will disagree with you on. The Cowboys have not beaten bad teams. I mean, the Cowboys have beaten good teams. The Cowboys beat the Chargers. That's a good team. They beat who? They beat Philly. They lost to Tampa. They, they won beat, yesterday. What's the game I'm and forgetting? They beat the Panthers. Are you telling me oh. now the last two weeks that the Panthers are a good team? Uh, Where, I don't know. Sam Panthers Darnold laid an egg yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Sam Darnold regressed yesterday. Mm-hmm. But who's got a better win? Like 
at winning at the Chargers is one of the best wins of the season. They also have the best loss. Like losing that game against Tampa was a good loss. For like sure. if you if you if you're adding up good wins and bad losses yeah. or 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 whatever it might be, I, I don't agree with you on the Cowboys, but one way or another, you hate them, so I'm willing to ignore what it is. Uh, all right, uh, greeting with you here. A couple other things I wanted to do for you before we get to a, f- a few phone calls. I'm sorry. What? 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 I'm sorry. What? what? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I don't know if the Detroit Lions are ever going to win a game. And I don't know if Dan Campbell is going to wind up being a great coach and be the guy who pulls them from the abyss. But I would like to play for that guy. I would like him to coach my team. Did you see his press conference yesterday? Dan, the Lions have lost the most excruciating games of any team in the league this year. I mean, you already know about the 66-yard field goal that Stoinked in uh, earlier. And then yesterday, if you didn't see the way, they, the, way, the way their game ended, they drove the length of the field down seven at the end yesterday against Minnesota. They score a touchdown. He goes for the two, gets it. They take a one-point lead. They give the ball back to Kirk Cousins with, what were there, like 30 seconds left in that game or something. Cousins moves them down the field. Give them credit. They make a long field goal, and Minnesota wins. And afterwards, Dan Campbell, his sound soundbite, just listen to the emotion of the Lions coach. When you see your players give all that they have and uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know, you don't want that for them. So, but we'll be better for it, you know. And there again, credit Minnesota, but we, we made the one mistake that cost us, you know. And, uh, and so... Ultimately, you know, it uh, we didn't we didn't do enough to win, but I was proud of them, and I love the fight they have in them, and I love the grit. Look, that that is a a, a super tough guy, right? Like Mister Tough Guy, who was standing up there openly crying. I loved it. I totally respect that guy. I love how much it matters to him. I love the way he loves his players, and if I'm one of his players, I keep fighting for that guy. We may be zero five. I keep fighting for that guy. The Lions, by the way, are the first team in NFL history to lose twice in a single season on 50-yard field goals on the final play of regulation. Let me add to how awful that stat is that one of those field goals was 66 yards (laughs) (laughs) and setting an NFL record. And let me add, first team to do it twice in a season. They've done it twice in the first five oh, games. Gosh. So you cannot have more heartbreaking losses. All right, let me do one more thing here before I set up the phone calls and then we get Moose Johnston in. You know, I'm very into, I'm delighted that we have Wendy's as a sponsor on this show. Wendy's has been on and off with me for many, many years. I've had them as a sponsor on the radio and I'm delighted uh, that they've chosen to partner with us here. And their, their new product is, is their new breakfast sandwich, which comes on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a bread product. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to spell the word. And I just want to hear how you pronounce it. Hamburg, I'll start with you. C-R-O-I-S-S-A-N-T. How do you say it? Croissant. Croissant. Bubba, how do you say it? Croissant. Croissant. Uh, Nuno, how do you say it? Croissant. Croissant. Okay, everyone's... Pr- is, is there I, a debate always, about this? Well, because it's a French word, and it is the French spelling, and I always think about saying croissant. Like, and, and then I just wonder how... Like, it's, it's, it's an egg and cheese on a croissant. Okay. That, that, is, that is how it is pronounced, and I wonder, does it sound... In ju- France. In, in, right. That's, I guess that's right. So we're Englishifying, we're Americanifying the word, right? Well, is, that, is that... Are we going with croissant... Or we're going with what did you say again? It's croissant. 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 Oh, yeah, no, don't don't do that. No, but the other word thing. I hear people say sometimes is croissant. No. I hear people say, "Have that on a croissant." 
So, so there's a lot of croissant? different ways people protest. I've heard croissant. Did, did, did Wendy's provide you a pronouncer? In the no, they didn't. Yeah, because it doesn't seem necessary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> and and, and yet I'm the only person in the world interested in this, but I just find the ways people pronounce different words interesting. <laughs> and like, I would, if, like if I'm in there, I would order, I'll, I'll have the bacon, egg, and cheese croissant. And then I recognize that people will mock me for it. Oh, for I, I'm sure. Fully, I'm fully accepting of the fact that it sounds pretentious. They to might say it not that know way. what you ordered if you say that. No, one. They'd know what I. There's ordered. a chance they would not know. No, they'd know what I ordered. And that that now see you've gone too far. He takes it too far. He takes it too every, far every time. He was doing good. Typical Hembo takes it too far. All right, uh, let's ring these phones up here. We've given you a bunch of hot takes. Moose Johnson's going to jump in a little later, but it's time for yours. Give me your hot NFL takes on this morning. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Serving them up hot. Your hot takes next. ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Bubble, let's run through as many as we can here. Who is first up with their hot takes? We're going to start with Jacob. Jacob, you're on ESPN Radio on the Dr. Pepper hotline. What is your hot take, Jacob? Hey, good morning, Greeny. Thanks for taking my call. Thank my you. hot take is that my... Mike Zimmer should be fired after this Carolina game. They go on a bye after that. They play the Cowboys. You know, I, I just think his time is up in Minnesota. He reminds me of, you know, the Anthony Lynn Chargers where they're in every single game, but they find ways to lose. I know they won yesterday, but they just look terrible. Yeah, they're a confounding team. There is something confounding about them. His calling card is supposed to be defense. They've been up and down defensively. They play yesterday without Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, who, by the way, came through for me huge on DraftKings. Um, it's an, look, I like the hot take. I'm not, I'm not sitting here firing Mike Zimmer, but I, I appreciate the hot take and I appreciate the call. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, you're on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Give me a hot take. Hi, how you doing, Greeny? Thanks for getting me in, man. I called last week. I'm a very frustrated Dolphin fan, but my, my hot take, Greeny, is I got a bone to pick on one of your analysts. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson on Friday said that Chris Greer is doing a tremendous job down in South Florida. I quote him. I think he meant horrendous and greedy for the love that is – for everything that's holy. Can you please stop telling me that Justin Herbert is the greatest quarterback to ever play? Because I throw up every time you say that. It's got to break your heart. Greeny. I get it. Look – 
Chris Greer chose Tua Tungavailoa over Justin Herbert. This is a perfect example of why that is such a difficult job because pretty much everyone in the media was on that side. I will always give credit to both Rex and Mike Tannenbaum, who were both on my, my TV show, Get Up, over and over again leading into that draft saying, no, they should be taking Herbert, no, they should be taking Herbert. But by and large, had the Dolphins taken Herbert over Tua, for the most part, there would have been an uproar, mm-hmm. right? It would have been heavily criticized. And there is no accountability for any of that. Chris Greer is responsible for the result. That's why that's a really hard job. It's a lot easier to sit here behind a microphone, give my opinion, and then in some cases not even acknowledge when you were wrong. Or if you're me, at least I acknowledge when I was wrong. Many people don't. But there are no consequences to my being wrong. There are enormous consequences to him taking the wrong guy. And by the way, they've had a ton of draft picks, and they're right now not paying off. And they've been a huge disappointment this year. So I hear you, Jeff. I hear the frustration. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Yeah, next up is Ryan. All right, Ryan, give me a hot take. Greeny, my hot take is this. I don't – I want to agree with Dominique Foxworth. He said it a couple weeks on Get Up, on Twitter, everything. I don't want to see Sean Payton happen again in Dallas. Kellen Moore needs to be the head football coach. Even if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl – Change McCarthy's name to Jones. Put him in the booth. Let him be in the shot that you want to see every game. Kellen Moore needs to be the coach for the Cowboys next year. Kellen Moore is a riser. It's a great call. He is a rising superstar in coaching. People are super high on him. The Cowboys right now have two great coordinators. They have two coordinators doing great work. What Dan Quinn has done with that defense has been spectacular. Kellen Moore, who he has a lot of good pieces to play with. But, boy, is he playing with them. I mean, he is the hot name right now. So, yeah, he will be a head coach for an NFL team next year. I think that is a, a reasonable bet to make. The question is, will it be the Cowboys? I, I, I understand the reason for the question. Do you think Jerry does it? Bubba, you think Jerry does it? Do you think, let's say the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, they're not getting rid of the coach. Let's say they make the playoffs, they win a playoff game and get knocked out. Do you think he makes the coaching change? Ah, oh, man i i don't ah, I don't think he does. Ah, I don't think I don't think he does. So many things have to happen between now and then. Like, I think he really should, though. I think it's a great call, and a lot of people are pushing for. I don't know. Maybe if there's enough groundswell <laughs> for it, maybe he will understand. I mean, obviously, he made the move to Jimmy Johnson, which was pretty harsh at the time. It's the right move. I think he needs to do it. I just don't think he, he will. I, it's 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 an interesting little question that you have. Like the, the the legitimate question is right now: Is Mike McCarthy the third coach you would want on his own staff? <laughs> like, would you rather have Dan Quinn coaching your team right now than McCarthy? Much less uh, what we the guy we like to call Boy Wonder, Kellen Moore. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Bubba, give me one more hot take. All right, let's go to uh, Liam, not take, the one from England. Take it away, Liam. What do you got? Give me a hot take. Cardinals are the best team in the league. Kyler is MVP, but no one is talking about them enough. You're correct. You are 100% correct. And in our, in our get-up uh, meeting this morning, and Embo can verify this is true, I said we cannot do a show today and not talk about the Cardinals. You just can't do it. It's not just because they're the last unbeaten team, because five weeks into the season, that isn't that important. What they are is just a really good football team. The acquisitions they've made on defense are paying off. 
Kyler Murray has now developed into a true superstar. He had an up-and-down second season last year when a lot of us were forecasting greatness. But he is really emerging now. They've got a ton of weapons on the offensive side. The Cardinals are really good. They're not just the last unbeaten team. They might be the best team in the NFC. Speaking of which, by the way, I just saw this note actually come across. The Scoop. For the first time in like two calendar years, the Kansas City Chiefs are not the betting favorite at Caesars to win the Super Bowl. The Bucks are the favorite, followed by the Bills, mm. and then the Chiefs. Mm. The Cardinals are not. That was what made me think of it. But the Cardinals, who are the last unbeaten team, and right now would be the number one seed in a year in which the number one seed means everything because there's only one bye, they are not the favorite. They're not among the top three favorites. I didn't. All, all I was sent was the top three. So they're not among the top three favorites to wind up uh, winning the Super Bowl. But we will see. All right, thank you, as always, for the calls. The hot takes, just outstanding, uh, and we always appreciate them. Moose Johnston will jump in here. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And with all that said, it is my pleasure, as always, to bring back now from Fox one of the great cowboys and one of the great guys in the business, Daryl Moose Johnston, is back with us here. Good morning, Moose. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? I'm great. It's a pleasure, as always. Um, and I want to start with your team. You know, I was interested to see Jimmy Johnson said yesterday on Fox that he thinks this is the best Cowboys team since his old Cowboys teams, which, of course, were your old Cowboys teams. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, they're getting close. They're getting close. Uh, you know, there was a couple of teams there uh, in the Tony Romo, Jason Witten era that, that I think were, were starting to approach that level as well. But we're, able, we're never able to kind of win those championships to, to get to that status. So um, I, I liked your comments. You know, they are complete. They're doing, they're doing it whatever way is desired, that, that matchup. Um, whether it's it's throwing the football with Dak Prescott and that great group of receivers he has, or we've seen over the last three or four weeks how effective that running game uh, can be uh, with with Ezekiel and Tony Pollard. So, you know, I thought that all, that was always you know what our strength was. Um, you know, we were predominantly a run first team. You know, with Emmett, but if, if you were going to kind of stack the box and try and shut that down, uh, you know, we had the ability with Troy and, and, and Michael and Alvin outside. Uh, Jay Novacek, uh, you know, to, to hurt you defensively in the passing game. And, and when you have that, that ability to, to dictate to defenses whatever their response is, uh, that, that's when you've got something special. And, and it really looks like Dallas is, is getting, you know, very close to that. And, and the big thing for me this year has just been 
the addition of Dan Quinn and, and how that defense is playing. Uh, you know, the takeaways, it, it's something that Dallas has struggled at and talked to for years now is taking the football away on the defensive side, but they've just never been able to get it done on a consistent basis. And that's been, that's been a huge plus for them this year. So, you know, not, not only what they can do offensively, but, you know, the difference in the defense from 2020 to 2021, I think, is the biggest difference. I'm with you on all of that. And I want to focus for a moment on the quarterback because, you know, what's interesting to me is that young fans, so football fans who are not old enough to have watched your teams play, sometimes they'll look at Troy Aikman's numbers, his career numbers, and they will say, well, he wasn't that prolific. His numbers are not all that spectacular. And what I always try to tell them is, if you had watched him play, you'd know that Troy Aikman was as good as any quarterback you ever saw. But he wanted to win, and the best way that team won, by and large, was by being balanced, and as often as not by running the football with Emmett. And it feels to me like we got a little bit of that working with Dak. Now, Dak has been spectacular. I'm winning, look, he threw for 300 yards yesterday. But this does feel like it is a run-first offense, and so in that way, it kind of does remind me of the group you were just talking about. Yeah, I, I think that they have that ability. They, they can be run-first. And I think you know that start of the season with, with Tampa Bay is where everybody you know, kind of maybe reached the conclusion that, hey, this is, they're going to lean on Dak Prescott and this group of receivers. They're, they're going to change their identity a little bit from what they've done in the past. Um, but that was just what was dictated that, that evening in that matchup, you know. Gosh, I mean, that, that Tampa Bay run defense is outstanding. Uh, you know, going back and look at the numbers from 2020, how good they were. So, yeah, you're going to come into that game. And, and what gives us the best opportunity to win tonight here at Tampa Bay? And it's going to be throwing the football. So you throw it 58 times and everybody, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what, what is Dallas doing now? But you saw them shift gears, you know, right away. Uh, you know, the following week, what's our matchup this week? And, and that's exactly right. And, and the, the biggest motivator, and, and you're, you're, you're exactly right when you talk about what Troy was all about and how he was wired. Um, he was all about winning. It, it, you know, numbers were, were not a driving motivator for him. Uh, it, was, it was winning championships. And if that meant turning around and handing the ball off to Emmett Smith, then, then that's what we're going to do. But if you had a game where, hey, we, we need to throw it for, for 325 yards today, uh, you know, you couldn't have a better guy at your quarterback position to do that. I mean, he could make every throw. And, and I tell people all the time, he threw the most catchable ball. Uh, you know, you, you get around, you know, a number of different quarterbacks and they're all a little bit different. Um, the, the one thing that I always tell people about Troy is, is he, he threw such a catchable ball, whether it was, you know, the, the opposite side of the field, come back to, to, to Michael Irvin on a laser uh, or, or me coming across on a, on a crossing route or an in route. It was, it was like a handoff for me, mm. but he could, he could put some zip on it and make all those big throws as well. Just while we're talking about him, because I, I, it does frustrate me sometimes when people talk about great quarterbacks, even in his own era, and sometimes leave him out. Another quality he had, and you know, I, I worked with Mike Golick all those years, Mike would always say that he was the toughest quarterback he ever played with. You could hit him as hard as you ever hit anybody, and Troy would just get back up again, and, and that he had a toughness about him physically, and, and it seemed to me also psychologically that I think contributed to him being so great. Yeah, the the game against the Eagles where he had 11 sacks in in, in one game and, and just kept popping up. Uh, you know that that front just roughed us up that afternoon. Uh, and and yeah, Troy would always just he'd pop right back up, uh, get back in the huddle, call the next play, and, and move on. You know, never was never yelling at anybody. Uh, you know, it's it, it just unbelievable. And it, it's one of the things I remember. Mike Martz had a conversation with him before a game and, and just going through all the things that, that he looked for in a quarterback. And, and one of the big ones that he talked about was courage in the pocket. Um, you know, the times that you know you're going to get hit. And, and if you 
remember the Mike Mars offense, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, Kurt Warner took a lot of shots with free blitzers, you know, right in his face. Um, and, and that was something that Mike Martz always thought separated quarterbacks. And, and that's definitely something that Troy had about him. You know, he had, he had tremendous courage in the pocket and would stand in there and make those tough throws. Moose Johnson with us here on the Goodyear Hotline, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. You had Minnesota-Detroit yesterday, which was unbelievable. Like, what's happened to the Lions, I played the soundbite a little earlier in the show here, Moose, from Dan Campbell after that loss yesterday. And, and my reaction, and we talked about it on TV this morning, too, is, like, I love that guy, and I think the players will continue to play hard for that guy. The Lions aren't a good team, but they play hard every single week. I love that he went for the two-point conversion at the end yesterday, and it easily could have won them the game. The heartbreaking nature of their losses is unprecedented. Just what was your takeaway yesterday from what you saw in your game yesterday on Fox? Yeah, everything that you just said. Um, the, the one thing I'll differ with you, they are a good team. They're not a talented team, yeah, okay, but they yeah. are a good team. Yeah. Um, they, they play hard for each other. And, and that's, that's what he's building right now. Um, you know, I, I have some friends that are inside the organization and, and talked to him last week going into the game. And he said, it's amazing, you know, to bounce back from, from that Baltimore loss, to bounce back from that Chicago loss. They just come to the facility. They're ready to work. They're ready to get better and give it another shot that week. Um, so, you know, the, the foundation that, that Dan is building that on is, is very, very strong. Um, and, yeah, you could see the emotion with him yesterday in that press conference. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to see what the response was going to be because he, he is so genuine. Um, and, and it's just the passion he has for the game. And when I saw that, it was, it was just it was Dan Campbell. It's exactly what, you know, you should have expected from him. It's it just a heartbreaking loss. I mean, something that, that, that we, you know, as, as broadcasters, you know, we, we thought the game was over, you know, multiple times, mm-hmm. you know, with a, with a Minnesota victory. And then to have Detroit, you know, kind of steal it right there at the end and then, and then give it back to Minnesota. Um, you know, just unbelievable. Um, you know, the emotional roller coaster he had to be on. But I, I know that today in Detroit, those guys are all going to walk into that facility and they're going to get ready for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it, it's just, it, it's unbelievable uh, when you talk to the people inside that organization, you know, and, and they, they talk about the players and, and, hey, you know, we don't, we don't have the most talent in the NFL right now, but, but what we're building, you know, the, the work ethic and the trust and the faith in, in each other as teammates, um, you know, the, everybody says it, it's something that they haven't seen in, in, a, in a long time. I'm with you. Moose Johnson with me here. Let me go through a couple of other big picture topics just while I have a few extra minutes with you here, if you can. Uh, I was just sent to note that for the first time in, in over two calendar years, the Kansas City Chiefs are no longer the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl. And, and I thought last night was a statement performance by Buffalo and, and raised some real red flags for Kansas City. I just wonder if you had a chance to see that game, what were your thoughts coming out of that? Yeah, I got to see a little bit of it. Um, we had Buffalo earlier in the year. Uh, and, and so you, you went back and watched them a little bit. And then uh, they had a, a, a really good performance uh, against Washington. Um, you know, th- that's a really, really good football team. Sean McDermott's done a great job. Uh, and he and Brandon Bean have just done a phenomenal job putting that together. Uh, I, I always, coming into this year, I felt, uh, you know, Cleveland and Buffalo were two teams um, just based on how they played last year that, that you needed to be, you know, aware of in the AFC. If, if, if we were talking about Kansas City being on the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. um, you know, for Cleveland to go in there and, and, and they have the double-digit lead and they lose that again, you think that Kansas City maybe still be able to, to pull those games out, but but this is a very very complete Buffalo team, and, and the statement that they made last night uh, at Arrowhead um, w- was very impressive. Uh, I, I think that you have to have big concerns about Kansas City's defense right now. 
um, you know, just for whatever reason, you know, the, they're not getting the job done there. Um, you know, you, you concentrated on the offensive line in the offseason because of what happened in the Super Bowl and, and maybe didn't realize what was going on on that other side of the football. Uh, but that, that defense is really, really struggling right now. And let me ask you one more thing here because everyone looks at me like I'm crazy when I bring this up. And I probably am. But Tom Brady is 44 years old. And I understand that, that he maybe he just defies everything. But no football player has ever done anything even remotely approximating what he's being asked to do every single week for the Bucs. It, it's one thing for an older quarterback to be on a team where everybody is great and all that. Like, he's carrying that team. He's playing MVP. <laughs> Their defense is banged up and not looking as good. And he's playing at MVP, an MVP level. Is it reasonable? to think that a 44-year-old guy can continue to do that throughout an entire season? Well, I would have said no um, prior to anybody but Tom Brady, but yeah. um, I, I have to agree with everything you just said. Um, it, it's amazing. Every time we think, you know, we're getting towards the end of his career, um, you know, he just puts up another season where it's fantastic. And, and, and this, in that offense, you know, we, we all hear about Bruce Arians and he stretches the field and the no-risk-it-no-biscuit style that he plays with and, and the way that is structured, that, that does put everything on the quarterback. Um, you know, he does have a good supporting cast around him, but, but he's still driving that ship um, and, and doing it at an extremely high level. And, and I remember years ago uh, when it first came out that, you know, he was planning on playing till he's 45. My question now is he adjusted that. You know, is he mm-hmm. looking for 47? Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's just, it's unbelievable, you know, how well he's playing. Um, it, it, it defies everything because this is a young man's game. Uh, it's a physical game. Um, so for him to be able to be out there on that field playing the way he is, it's just, you know, you marvel at it. And, and it's, 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 it's absolutely unbelievable. I'll give you the stat that puts it over the top. By yardage, the Tampa Bay offense, 81% of it has been passing. That is the highest rate of any team that ESPN stats and information has ever tracked. <laughs> no team <laughs> has been more dependent on the passing game in their offense than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been so far this year, and they're doing it with a 44-year-old quarterback, and they're four and one. I mean, it's not. It's it's not. You know. So uh, look, let's see. I hope he can keep doing it. If anyone can, I agree with you. He can, but it's a lot to ask. Uh, Moose, I always so enjoy these, and I so enjoy watching you guys every Sunday. Um, you know, whenever your game is on, and oh, we get to see it. So it's. A a pleasure as always thank you have a great week and we'll talk soon yeah thanks mike always always good to catch up with you right, that's moose johnson with us here on fox i really like his takes on all of this stuff and it is a pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with him okay uh, i've got a few things left before we run for the day hashtag kod the kiss of death two two and one on the picks this week uh the Bengals screwed me i, I had them plus the three and they had two kicks in the air that would have won it instead they wind up with the push on the game-winning field goal by Mason Crosby at the end. I the Giants plus the seven. The injuries there really hurt me because the Giants showed up to play yesterday. I think that was going to be a game yesterday until they lose the quarterback and the running back, and there's that. The Ra- I had the Raiders minus the five and a half against the Bears. I-, I think the Raiders have all kinds of problems. You're well aware of the situation with their coach, John Gruden. Now that is not going to go well, um, and I think that impacted that game enormously. My two wins yesterday, Chargers minus the two. And the Bills plus the two and a half. 
So two, two, and one yesterday. Fourteen, eleven, and one on the season is where we stand. And then we have one game left for this week. The Monday Night Football brought uh, preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Uh, our program is presented as always by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit progressive.com. We have Colts Ravens tonight. Give me the numbers, Hembo. So right now the Ravens are a touchdown favorite at home. The to a full t- seven points. Seven points oh. is what we have. The over under for that game is. 46, and for whatever it's worth, we have 80% of the public bets coming in so far on the Baltimore Ravens. Now, were you telling me that this was a brutal day yesterday for Vegas? Yes. So yesterday, the odds makers in Vegas took their worst day of any so far this NFL season because the favorites did so well yesterday. They said that the game that you just mentioned, the Bengals-Packers game, swung for them enormously and cost them more money than any game this season. So I'm curious to see if the uh, Ravens will cover tonight, the seven, and Vegas will continue to take their bath this week or if the, uh, the Colts can cover that number. But I'm not feeling too good about the Colts. I don't know about you. No. Well, what, what is, what is, is anyone here? Can I give seven points tonight? The Ravens are home. Am I, am I giving seven points tonight? That, that Colts offensive line is so bad. And that's the yeah. one thing the Ravens do really well on defense. I don't, I'm not touching that game. And that was supposed to be, going into the season, the Colts' strength. And right. obviously a combination of a yeah. bunch of things, including injury, have been a factor there. All right, I will go, I will go Ravens minus the seven. That'll be the official pick. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. Finally, give me four baseball winners today, Hembo. Uh, it starts with the, um, well, I don't know the order of the games in my head, but, but somewhere along, Braves, Brewers, who you got? That's the first game I like Milwaukee today. We have Houston, Chicago. Hopefully that Rain. game does not we get got, we got, out. We got major weather issues. I like Chicago in that game to take that to a five-game series and go back to Houston. Okay. In the next American League game at seven, we have the Rays at the Red Sox. I think the Rays stay alive and force that. A five-game series as well. They win in Fenway, and then game, um, and then we have uh, Gi- Di- excuse me, Giants, Dodgers tonight at nine thirty. I like the Dodgers in that game to take a two-one series lead. Okay, That's yeah, what that we got. The, great the battle of the Titans. Great. If you're a baseball fan, this is a great day. All the action on ESPN Radio, of course, as always. So much to, to sink our teeth into, and we'll do it again tomorrow. See you then, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.